good to have you. Bill Michael Show, continuing on. Hey, uh, our good friends over at the Irish Cultural and Heritage Center right here in, uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, the ICHC.net, by the way, ICHC.net. Um, they uh, they want to let you know that they, they've got uh, a wonderful, wonderful place. Um, and if you're looking to, uh, you know, plan an event, if you're looking to plan a wedding, if you're looking to plan a reception, a corporate outing, whatever it happens to be, go to ICHC.net. That's ICHC.net. And their building can host anything. And they've got a beautiful concert hall and two smaller spaces as well. Uh, plus a pub inside there. Plus a pub. So go to ICHC.net. That's ICHC. Dot net. Joining us now on the hotline, our buddy Andy Herman of the Packet A Podcast. Andy, how you doing? Hey, Bill, doing great. Thanks as always for having me. Wish uh, we were talking about a potential wild card game this weekend, but uh, alas, not to be. Yeah, I was just going to say it's uh, it it was re- relatively surreal leaving Lambeau Field. First of all, realizing that no matter what happened, it was the last time we were going to be at Lambeau this year. And then secondly, driving home it was kind of like, man, I can't believe it's over. I mean, that just flew by. It seemed extremely quick. So. Let's start with what went wrong this season. Give me your kind of synopsis. You're going to start pointing uh, in in a couple of different directions as to things that just went horrifically wrong for the Packers. What were they? Yeah, so, I mean, the the fun thing is, I guess, if you want to put it that way, is there's a lot that we can discuss in this situation, and I don't think any one thing necessarily hurt this team more than any other, but um, I'll, I'll start with Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Aaron Rodgers played up to what we've seen these past couple seasons. I think we saw a pretty steep decline in his play this year. Um, and I go back to, and listen, yardage isn't everything, right? Like there's efficiency. There's so many different areas we could go in. But Aaron Rodgers' last 300-yard game was in week 10 of 2021. Last year, week 10. And like really good Aaron Rodgers like stumbles into, I don't know what, three, four, five, 300-yard games just by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, his most yardage this year was a 280 yard game against the lions and arguably one of the worst games of his career earlier in this season. And you're also paying him to kind of be the guy that can be sort of your ticket into the playoffs. The guy that in clutch situations can come through for you. And really in the third consecutive season, uh, he wasn't able to do so when the Packers needed him most against the Tampa Bay bucks. He had the ball down eight opportunity to tie. Um, they couldn't do it. Last year, they had the ball tie game, ball in their hands, couldn't do it. This year, they've got the ball down four, ball in his hands, couldn't do it. And it's not all on Aaron Rodgers. There's always nuance to this, but that's one of the issues is he just didn't play as well. We could go in in a lot more depth and detail into that conversation. I think Joe Barry and the defense, they deserve a ton of credit, in my opinion, for the last four or five games of the season of really keeping this team in this and giving the, the, the Packers an opportunity to get into the playoffs but it should never have taken that long. They had the talent. They had more talent at the beginning of the season when Rashawn Gary was healthy, Eric Stokes was healthy than they had at the end of the season, um, yet could not put it together earlier in the year, played a very bland vanilla style of defense, a lot of off coverage, which we saw even in this last game as well. I think that's an issue. I think you look at coaching, Matt LaFleur. I don't think this team was very fundamentally sound. I don't think they tackled well. I don't think they blocked well. I don't think any a uh, real legitimate player on this team played better this year than they did a season ago. That's an indictment of coaching. If you're not getting the most out of your players, to me, that's coaching 101. And um, you had a stretch of the season where you lose seven out of eight games and couldn't really bounce back until, quite frankly, it was just a little bit too late. Um, and then, you know, Brian Gutekunst deserves some of the blame too, right? I, I don't think the 
I, I think we can see sort of the vision that he had in mind for replacing Devontae Adams. I think we sort of saw it a little bit more towards the end of the season with what Christian Watson was able to accomplish. But a couple things. A, uh, it didn't come to fruition quickly enough for this offense to be explosive enough as they needed to be. And B, like, that's putting a lot of faith in Christian Watson. Imagine this receiving core if Christian Watson didn't come to fruition. If he was just even like a good receiver and not extremely explosive at the end of this year, we would have seen a whole year of what we saw prior to Christian Watson, you know, breaking out. So I think there's plenty of blame to go around um, and we could go into a lot more detail on a lot more players as well. Let's uh, let's go defensively speaking. Uh, were you surprised Joe Barry stays? Uh, if that, you know, I know that Matt LaFleur said that's the case, and I'm assuming that's going to be the case. I'm not necessarily surprised. I don't necessarily advocate for it either. Um, but I do think what Joe Barry did over the last quarter-ish of the season probably saved his job. And like I said, it's, it's tough. Two things are tough about this. A, it's tough when, like I said, the last four or five games of the season, he's really, his defense is really the main reason that this team had a chance to get back in things. So if you go and say, hey, it's the defensive coordinator we're going to fire, well, it's, it's really hard looking elsewhere and saying like, all right, well, the offense was worse. Um, are you going to do anything about the offensive coordinator? I think that just kind of complicates things a little bit. I think the other thing that LaFleur has to be slightly, slightly cognizant of, Nathaniel Hackett leaving was of no fault of his own. Um, he obviously had to replace that position, but he's now had two offensive coordinators. But this would, if, if he you know, fired Joe Barry, he would have been on his third defensive coordinator. He's already on his third special teams coordinator. Uh, he's going through coordinators extremely fast for a guy that's only coached four years in the league. Um, you don't want to be the guy that's just you know, basically the scapegoat every year. It's going to be uh, a different coordinator. that You don't necessarily want that MO either. So like I said, I'm not advocating for Joe Barry necessarily staying on. I don't necessarily know that that's best case scenario, but I am not shocked that that's the direction that they ultimately decided to stay with. So defensively, because I, I sat here today and I said, look, if I'm Brian Gutekinds and I'm sitting at the table, I'm saying I did I, probably one of my better drafts and I did everything I could to fortify this team and the record ended up worse. It's not my fault. You know what I mean? I, I, how Brian Gutekinds could take any, other than the fact that maybe there might have been additional money, you could have gone out and found yourself another wide receiver or something to that effect. I, I think Brian Gutekinds did about all he could. Do you? I think that's fair, but I think that's where the, the conversations become really difficult because there, you can everyone can blame shift, right? Because Brian Gutekinds can say, look at the draft I had this year. You know, it's got to be something else. And Matt LaFleur can say, well, it's clearly not the coaching because I won 13 games the last three seasons, so it's clearly not me. And Aaron Rodgers can say, well, I, I'm back-to-back -back MVP. I'm the best in the league. You give me more help, and I'll keep being MVP. And then, you know, Joe Barry can say, well, you know, look what we did at the end of the year when, you know, so everyone can sort of blame shift and say, like, well, it's got to be somebody else. I think with Gutekunst, yeah, I don't think, first of all, I don't think there's any conversation that he should be fired or anything like that. And I think this year was one of his best years as a GM. I think his draft was phenomenal. Finding guys like Keyshawn Nixon uh, for a literally, you know, minimum free agent signing, no bonus money. Rudy Ford was a great pickup, like, he did the most that he could have this season with the limited resources that he had. Obviously, he had a little bit more due to trading Devontae Adams uh, from a draft capital standpoint, but I really like the season. But you can also look back to previous drafts. Um, the Amari Rogers uh, draft pick has already been an unmitigated failure. Third round pick this year, Sean Ryan, not off to a great start. Um, the, the entire like Jordan Love, A.J. Dillon, Josiah DeGuara, first three picks in a uh, time when they were you know needing to kind of go all in. I think there's things that you can point to with Gutekinds too and say hasn't been perfect, but that, that's where, like I say, like every single person that has some sort of stake in this team that you want to be able to point a finger to can sort of blame shift it to somebody else and say, well, look, it, it's not me.
The uh, the offense, uh, I want to go back to that for a minute. Um, it struggled, obviously, in the red zone in the latter portion of the season. It never seemed like it was functional. It never seemed like it was right. And you and I would talk quite often throughout the season about certain things that were working, certain things that weren't. They would drive down, and then all of a sudden they're in shotgun continuously. They're going four and five wide, throwing deep on second and two and third and two. It just it never seemed like things got on track. Uh, am I wrong on this? Not wrong at all. It was no cohesion. There was no um, – what we saw earlier in Matt LaFleur's career is there were plays that would set up plays later in the game. There was a cohesiveness to what they were doing. There was a plan to what they were doing. This offense just looked so disjointed and without having – like didn't look like it had a plan of attack and what it actually wanted to accomplish on a week-to-week basis. And there'd be times where Aaron Jones would be a complete afterthought. There's times where against the Lions you keep trying to run and they must have seen something on film, but – you're going a bunch of jet sweeps and motions, and then you're going a bunch of empty formations when the Lions had really struggled against, uh, you know, basically shifting formations in motion all year long. Like it just, it never seemed to have any sort of identity or maybe worse. It seemed to have two identities, one of Matt LaFleur and one of Aaron Rodgers. And I think that has to be sorted out and they've got to figure out how they can put a cohesive offense on the field. It starts with blocking up front. In their winning streak, we finally saw that offensive line sort of come together. I think the Bakhtiari, uh, you know, back at left tackle, Jenkins at left guard, build, rebuilding that left side of the line, getting running at right guard, and then either Nyman or Tom at right tackle. I think they found something there overall. Again, it was a little bit too late. A lot of that was due to the injuries to Bakhtiari and, and getting Jenkins back to left guard. But um, when they were going well, that's when we saw the winning streak. When the blocking was not good, including in that last game, they really struggled. And, you know, like I said, Aaron didn't play up to par. The red zone offense was literally worst in the league. He could not get any worse than what it was. And um, it, it just needs a better identity moving forward for what they want to accomplish on a, not only a week-to-week basis, but um, throughout the course of a season. So what do you feel going forward they need? Uh, I, I mean, I, I think, first of all, you need a veteran wide out. Secondly, you need a, another tight end. And I would assume there's going to be a few guys that aren't going to be back with the team. But you need a veteran tight end. I'm not totally averse to bringing back Randall Cobb, only for the fact that he's that veteran voice, that veteran study, that veteran guy in that locker room and in that film room for a lot of these young guys that they're bringing in. I think the first thing they have to decide is what direction do they ultimately want to go in, right? So to me, there's three directions. There's the, you know, you run this back, Aaron's back, and you're trying to go sort of all in for another season and trying to win this upcoming season and doing everything in your power to, to keep that window open. Um, there's probably the somewhere in the middle ground where Aaron's back is your QB, but you're not going to mortgage a ton for the future anymore. You're just going to kind of let things play out, bring some young guys in and kind of see what happens. And then there's the rip the band-aid approach, which they seem completely averse to. And I don't think they'll go in that direction, but that's where you probably go Jordan love and you see a bunch of young players and, and just go in a completely opposite direction. I think the most likely is Aaron's back and they try to go out and win again next season in some capacity, whether that's an all in will remain to be seen. But I think if they do go in that direction, there's a few positions that clearly need to be addressed. Um, I think, first of all, um, just the, the easy ones on the defensive side, right? I think safety is going to be a big one. You, you have Darnell Savage coming back, but he had a really awful year. He played a little bit better after being benched. Adrian Amos is gone. That is a uh, Rudy Ford's a free agent. That's just going to be a, a position that's very bare going into the offseason. So that's going to be a position that's going to have to be addressed. And then Edge Rusher is another one where you have to figure out what you want to do with Preston Smith. I think he's probably back, but that's a little bit of a question mark. You've got Rashawn coming off of an ACL, and then you've got Enigbare, but you need a little bit more depth there as well. 
offensively, I'm with you. I don't, even with Dobbs and Watson showing promise going into next year, I do think they're going to need, you know, some sort of veteran receiver. And I would just keep getting playmakers. I mean, I think it's clear, a little bit more clear at this point that, um, you know, Aaron is going to need a little bit more uh, talent around him, if, you know, to be the, the high-end player that he was. Before he, like I said, he was a, a ticket to the playoffs just by basically having him on the roster. Now he needs a little bit more of an ide- in an ideal condition. And if you want that, you have to improve your weapons at tight end and wide receiver. So that's probably where I start. You can always improve the offensive line. The blocking needs to get better. They have to have a better identity on offense. But um, those are probably the, the low-hanging fruit that I'd address first. The uh, the coaching staff, there's a lot of talk about Nathaniel Hackett, then there's obviously Michael LaFleur, whether or not Stenovich uh, took too much on and he's not the right fit for the OC, he should go back to being a line coach. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of shifting that could possibly happen. What do you think needs to happen? I think I think there's something that needs to happen offensively when it comes to figuring the, the red zone offense. I know Nathaniel Hackett had such a specific role within the red zone. It was phenomenal in 2020. It took a step back in 2021. And then 2022 was, like I said, worst in the league. So I think if you can get Nathaniel Hackett back, you know, we'll see what happens with Tom Clements. Does he want to come back and coach again? Um, or does he, you know, retire? Um, you know, you could have a, a you know, a, a QB coach slash red zone, um, you know, guy in Nathaniel Hackett. That would make a lot of sense if Aaron's back. Uh, that could make something you could just bring them in as an offensive assistant. You could bring them in as a consultant. There's a lot of things that you could do there. Um, obviously, Mike LaFleur would be another player or a coach that I'm sure Matt would be very interested in, was interested in him uh, before, and San Francisco blocked that from happening. So, uh, you know, listen, anytime you can get smart minds in the room, I think you create positions to do that if at all possible. We saw him bring in Aubrey Pleasant as soon as he was let go from the Lions this year. He was their defensive backs coach, brought him in as a consultant. The more minds that you can have to help that stuff is awesome. But at the end of the day, the reason that the red zone offense failed wasn't necessarily due to scheme. It was because they couldn't block up front and they didn't have a legitimate red zone threat in the end zone. You get a legitimate red zone threat and you block better up front. Um, any coach that's in that position is uh, you know, all of a sudden going to start looking a lot better. So it can be better. I would love bringing Nathaniel Hackett back, but they, they have to address the players that they need too. Talking with Andy Herman of the Packaday Podcast. Special teams were the bright spot, uh, for lack of a better term, because I know they had a couple of gaps here and there, but usually throughout a season that's somewhat expected. But I, I the process was better for Mason Crosby. Uh kickoff returns, they finally figured it out. Although I will say to hang on to Omari Rogers and force him into that situation for, for that long a period of time is a to- that's totally on the coaching staff to do that. I have no idea why they did it. But overall, I thought special teams were at least there's a bright spot there, right? There is. And we saw competence, I think, for the majority of the season. And at at minimum, we saw that this was not a special team that was going to go out and lose games for this team like we saw a season ago when they lost to the 49ers in large part due to the play of their abysmal special team. So I think it took a major step. I think Rich Passaccia deserves a lot of credit. As you mentioned, not perfect. There was blocked punts. There was blocked field goals. Those things still can't happen. They have things to shore up. But make no mistake, this was a... Um, a special teams that was a nightmare for you know basically over a decade. You could look at it that way. This is not this is a massive culture change for this team. I saw special teams units that were excited to be out there. Guys like Dallin Levitt, Rudy Ford, Keyshawn Nixon. Um, you saw guys going down to cover kicks and punts with ruthless aggression. We haven't seen that in an extremely long time. Um, you could just see that Rich Passaccia was getting the most out of these guys. So to come in in his first season and go from an absolute, maybe one of the worst special teams units that's ever existed to even get this unit to playing co- not only competent football, but having the field goal game much better. And now Keyshawn Nixon's returning, you know, kicks for touchdowns and stuff is a major step in the right direction and hopefully something that can continue into next year. 
Andy, good stuff as always, man. As uh, time goes on, we'll talk again, okay? Hey, give me your thoughts real quick. Aaron Rodgers back, yes or no? I, I lean yes at this point. Yeah, I think he will be. I do too. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it, pal, okay? Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. There you go. Andy Herman, Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can find his stuff uh, over on Twitter, at Andy Herman NFL, at Andy Herman NFL, or just find the Pack-A-Day Podcast. It's that simple. Don't forget, coming up in less than an hour, the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers football program, Luke Fickle, is going to be joining us right here. Stay tuned for that. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Kane and Kane Jewelers. Let them rock your world out there in West Bend. It's worth It's worth the drive. And now you've got Valentine's Day coming up. We all know that's going to be one of those jewelry days. Uh, you've got birthdays, anniversaries, you name it. Uh, go to Kane, K-O-E-H-N, KaneJewelry.com. That's KaneJewelry.com. And whether it's the hearts on fire, pendants, earrings, necklaces, whatever it happens to be, they've got it. And if you really want to see something cool, Andy does, uh, Andy Kane does a uh, podcast called Buy Like a Guy podcast. Now, they do all kinds of stuff, whether it's buying jewelry or sipping bourbons and such, but they, it's, a, it's a really cool podcast. Episode 9 just kind of came out. So check out the Buy Like a Guy podcast. But go to the website. Go to KaneJewelry.com. That's KaneJewelry.com. And uh, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you can click on it. It's buy, buy Like a Guy right there. You can see it. But they are located in West Bend. And, yes, it's a little bit of a drive, but it is worth it, without a doubt. Go to KaneJewelry.com. More of the Bill Michael Show now. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael show continues on our friends at Albanese's Roadhouse. They want to say thank you for visiting in 2022 and look forward to 2023. And if you're looking for good Italian food out in Waukesha, that is a place to go. You can go to Albanese's Roadhouse.com. That's Albanese's Roadhouse.com. And it's right there on Blue Mountain Road in Waukesha at 2301 West Blue Mountain Road, right next to uh, Menards. Terrific place. Like I said, when I go in there, usually meatball sandwich, a couple of beers. I'm happy. Uh, I'm easy. Uh, Kristen loves the Italian sausage that they have there and the uh, the lasagna and such. So if you're going to head over to Albanese's Roadhouse right there on Blue Mountain Road in, in uh, the Waukesha area, Brookfield area, man, so good. So, and Joey's such a good person. Big Marquette fan, huge Marquette fan. So if you're going to stop in, say hi to Joey. Big Packer fan, Brewer fan, everything. So uh, good stuff as well. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Phone lines back wide open. Hey, don't forget, coming up here in about 40 minutes, Luke Fickle, head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, is going to be joining us. Luke Fickle is going to be here. Going to talk with him. Looking forward to that conversation. Uh, this one is from Rob. Rob says, uh, so if the issues of the season are so obvious to all of us, Offensive play calling, the execution, overall lack of continuity, flow, failure to establish a lack of dedication to the run attack, lack of play action, excessive lateral movement, blah, 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 blah. Defense, too much soft zone, especially in short yardage, overall lack of aggressiveness, not utilizing strengths, especially the marquee players, Jair underachieving, lack of motivation, indication, blah, blah. Then why is it not obvious to LaFleur, Barry, and the Packers management? And why weren't more adjustments made during the season? Why aren't more honest and straightforward questions asked to them specifically to address these issues? The media generally asks very vague softball questions and no uh, and or when the answers are vague uh, or milquetoast. They don't press to get a specific answer. 
i.e., no, we have to look at the tape, we have to be better, but how are you going to do that? Why are you running an end-around with Lazard on fourth and two? So many levels are questionable on that one play alone. There are many, many more examples, and that should be asked, and uh, guys should be accounted for both offensively and defensively. That's from Rob. Rob, appreciate the email. Um, Rob, that's a fair question. That's a fair question. The... There are times when there's a I, – I, this is what happens. Okay, let me let me, let me back up because I'm not going to sit here and defend everybody in the media because I'm not, but being one of them, I kind of I understand it too. Everybody has an agenda in the media. You have something you're searching for. You have an angle. You have a story. You have something that you're looking at that you're looking for a comment on what it is you're thinking. So when there's a question – and there are times when we have listened to Matt LaForce pressers, and I've sat here and I've said, oh, my God, the next question, the obvious follow-up to that is this. Sometimes guys aren't thinking of it or girls aren't thinking of it. They're thinking, okay, I just want, I'm just i going to do a, a feature on Alan Lazard. So I'm going to ask about Alan Lazard, and I'm going to completely ignore what was just stated because I don't have that angle. Um, so that's part of it. You know, it's what writers or reporters or such want to go with. Uh, some part of it is that you don't want to be on the end of a testy altercation, verbal altercation with the head coach. You you know, uh, like I said before, the Green Bay Packers are are good about many things, and then there are things where, and no organization likes it, but they don't want to be they don't want to be questioned. They don't want to be questioned. They don't want they they don't want that. They want to be able to say, this is what it is. You nod your head, take it for on its face, and walk away. That's why at times I've called it Red China, because what the information you get is the information they want you to have. There are times where if you looked behind the curtain, the wizard's very ugly. It's when you look behind the giant G that we all wear on our, like I'm wearing today. I'm wearing the G on my chest, and... I'm a fan, and we don't want to believe that there's a, a a depth to this. You just want to take it for what it is. So that's a great question. But I'm not in those press conferences, so it's difficult for me to ask. I, I do like when Mike Clemens asks questions, but there, there are some times when you – I'll sit here sometimes and listen to these pressers, and when I hear a question, I, there are times where I'll just be like, oh, my God. Ben, how many times have you and I gone back and forth, like, on instant messenger going, what the hell? What, who asked that? You know, that type of thing? Probably once per press conference, at least. Right? There, there's always one or two that are like, what What? What are you asking that for? It's not even pertinent. Or that's just such a out-of-left-field softball horse crap question. It's like, what are you doing? You're wasting everybody's time by opening your mouth and asking that. You know, um, the I, I think it's you, you have a legit question when you say, why are these things not being fixed? You know, because the, that, that's a question from the fans. And what happens is the, you know, Matt LaFleur or a player or the quarterback or whomever, they'll look at the the 
you know, the person asking the question, no, they'll be mad at them. You know, how dare you ask that question? How, how dare you question me on that? Go back to the go back to the immunization thing. Go back to the my thumbs hurt thing. You know, how dare you question me again on that? But this is questions that that fans legitimately have. You know, that you're a fan of the team. You want to see them do well. It's not about critiquing and or railing on a particular player. You want to see them all do well. If they're all doing well, then you're talking about a team that's efforting towards a championship, and that's ultimately what everybody wants. And people tend to forget that. But the, the okay, well, we got to do better. i got to look at the tape. But if, if you do ask and you say, you know, Matt, you said you were going to look at the tape. What did you see? Well, we're on to such and such. And, and you're, that, in other words, you're not going to answer that question. They're not going to give you the red China secrets. But when you say, hey, you know, what have you done for a particular player that makes the same mistake over and over again? You see it, we see it. And then what they'll say is, what do you see? No, 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 no. What, what do you do? Amari Rogers was putting the ball on the carpet. <laughs> I think we were all holding our breath every time the ball was in the air, right? I even defended the guy at one point, but you just couldn't anymore. And yet, oh, he looks good in practice. Well, okay. Well, how does that defend what he's done now six times in games? You know, and, and you're right. There, there's that level of accountability that has to be present. I agree with you. 877-867-1670. Phone line's wide open. Let's do this. We'll step away. We'll come back. We'll start taking phone calls. And uh, a half hour from now, Luke Fickle, head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers, he's going to join us. Also, our picks are coming up. Picks against the spread. We're getting into the wild card weekend. I'm giddy. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Friends at Newmail Medical, it's a new year. Make it a new you. Make it a new you. Um, if you are, well, first of all, if you have ED, erectile dysfunction, you know it. Okay, you, your partner knows it. So you might as well go ahead and call. They have a 98% success rate at treating guys with ED without the pills and the creams and all the other stuff. Okay, so that's first and foremost. Secondly, if you're feeling kind of sluggish and moody and up and down and tired and just dragging and whatever, uh, they can help you out with that. If you're over the age of 30, it could be low T. You're starting to decline after the age of 30, and some decline faster than others, and that could be part of the problem. Then there's the all-in-one weight loss program, and if you're looking at yourself going, man, come T-shirt season, I'm going to have to buy me a tent. Uh, well, you might want to jump on the all-in-one weight loss program. That, and it works. But anywhere in the United States, you can call 414 414- Four five five four four five one. Call them and say, "Hey, I'm calling you from Vegas." They'll say, "Okay, here's the nearest location." Hey, I'm calling you from Minneapolis. Here's the nearest location. Hey, I'm calling you from Atlanta, Georgia. Here's the nearest location. Call our friends at the New Mail Medical Center, or if you're right here in our own backyard in the state of Wisconsin, locations in Green Bay and Milwaukee. Call them four one four four five five four four five one. That's 414-455-4451. I have done the all-in-one weight loss program, back on it, feeling really, really good. 
it's uh it's a process but it's fantastic and if you just stick with it it works that's first and foremost but i wanted to lose about 20 pounds before i headed out to to arizona and uh, i'm well on my way uh down nine as of today as a matter of fact so i went down and weighed in this morning and i've been eating better and stuff but the the program really helps but uh call them 414-455-4451 that's the new mail medical center all right let's go uh, let's do some picks against the spread here we go ben you go right now we're tied so you go first all right uh jordan spieth plus 1600 to win the sony tournament of champions <laughs> or uh taylor montgomery is actually my sleeper pick big year for him all right uh all in right. the nfl world i'm gonna start off with uh, a game that's important to us now that we have adopted the jacksonville jaguars as our okay. team in the playoffs They are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home on Saturday night against the Chargers. I I think this comes down to a coaching mismatch. Doug Peterson versus Brandon Staley. Doug Peterson has been there. He knows how to prepare uh, for these games. In the moment, he has shown a great job of pushing the right buttons. Staley's rather the opposite we've seen through his entire tenure in L.A. So I I get it. Herbert's great, and and their team has all the talent in the world. They added Khalil Mack in the offseason, obviously, don't know if Mike Williams is going to play. I like I would I think the Chargers are better. But in this matchup in Jacksonville, they have some magic going. A lot of wins recently. I'm going to take the Jags plus two and a half. I am going to go to the Queen City. And last night I was a little more confident. Tonight I am not. Today I'm not. But uh, the Ravens look like they're going to be without Lamar Jackson. Uh, he's got that PCL and they just don't know what's going on. And, uh, you know, I know there's some other issues that are kind of, you know, under the surface there, but it looks like things aren't good. That being said, Cincinnati is a nine-point favorite going into this game down at Paycor. The weather's going to be 41 degrees. It's not going to be bad. No no rain, no crazy wind or anything like that. Uh, I think the Ravens now having seen the Bengals twice in two weeks and Cincinnati seeing them twice in two weeks, the familiar foe, it usually doesn't get out of hand. I'm going to say while the Bengals win, the Ravens cover. I'll take the Ravens plus the nine to cover in that game at Paycor Stadium. Oh, it's a little Euro step. Uh, again, that's what Corso did on Monday night when he picked TCU yeah. before they got right. absolutely obliterated. <laughs> horrible pick. Uh, my next one, the Minnesota Vikings. Are, are you previewing my pick as a horrible pick? Is that what you're saying? No, Corso's was. Okay. Time will tell if, if that one. No, I think that'll be less of a mismatch than TCU against the the Georgia second stringers, who also beat the crap mm-hmm. out of them in the second half. Right. Minnesota minus three versus the Giants, Bill. It's a coin flip game. Neither of these teams, I think, has the capability to blow the other out. We, we've seen how the Vikings play. And the Giants, uh, they're not the most healthy entering this game. While I think they did get Saquon the rest he needed the last week of the year. But daytime inside Kirk Cousins in the fourth quarter. I think this comes down to a one possession game late. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins on my team than Daniel Jones in that setting. So while I love Brian Dayball, I think they're headed the right direction. Maybe a year too early for the Giants. I will take the Vikings minus three. I want to yell not so fast, but I don't have enough faith in Daniel Jones to bring the Giants back. And play well. So That's a I, shame. I, I'm, yeah, I just, I really want to. and But if I've got money on the game, I'm going to take the Vikings. And, and yeah, I think they'll, I think they'll cover. Uh, in the meantime, 
Buffalo at home, 28 degrees, wind a-blowing. That is a noon kickoff. Dolphins are definitely without Tua. And I should have taken this game yesterday. The point spread has jumped to 13 now. 13. Buffalo by a two-score, uh, by two scores. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Buffalo to cover. I, I, I just think Buffalo is, is a better team. Even with Tua, but uh, without Tua and without... Then again, sometimes you get uh, some of these quarterbacks that you've never heard of or don't really have a lot of film on, and you don't have a way to prepare for them, much like Brock Purdy, and all of a sudden things just become chaotic because you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, you know, Skylar Thompson? Hold on. Who, who's who's this guy? He's a seventh-round draft choice. Skylar Thompson, first time getting a start in the National Football League. He was a seventh-round draft choice this year. I don't see a lot in him, so I'm going to take Buffalo to cover Buffalo at home. I'm going to go with them. There is film on Skylar Thompson, Bill. It's not good film yeah, for the record. Yeah, it's not good film. And also, remember, the Dolphins worked out Jack Cohn and elected not to sign him. So, right? got to think karma comes back to bite him. I out. would have taken the Dolphins in the points had Jack Cohn been the quarterback. Yeah, so, so would I. I would have taken them outright to win. <laughs> so, that's a good pick. I would also ride with, with Buffalo in that. My last one. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers catching two and a half at home against the Dallas Cowboys. Couple things at play. Number one, Cowboys are not good on grass. Over the, the stretch of the season, they're more explosive inside on the turf. And Jason Garrett was chronicling that one Sunday night. They just don't seem as quick uh, on the grass, kind of like we saw with the Vikings when they visited Green Bay a couple weeks ago. So there's that. There is Tom Brady versus Dak Prescott. The answer's clear, no matter how old Brady gets. And then the, the Bucks might get Ryan Jensen back. So when you add all that stuff together, they're at home. I just like Brady has another gear when he gets to the playoffs. We've seen it. And a Mike McCarthy coach team can't trust them. So I will take the Bucks plus two and a half at home. The Cowboys have never beaten Tom Brady. I'm taking the Cowboys. I'm taking the Cowboys to get the win on the road. I just think the Cowboys are a better team. If they don't win this oh, game, the McCarthy. Not so fast. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys. Uh, I can't believe I'm saying that. The I, Again, I always say I can't unsee. I can't unsee how bad the Buccaneers have been. And the Buccaneers are a... They've been bad all year. They're like the they're Enigma. They're like the Packers. They just got dysfunctional fast. And if da- if the real Dak Prescott decides to show up and have any kind of a game at all, then the Cowboys will win this game. So, and I think Mike McCarthy is coaching for his life. And Mike McCarthy, at times, has gone on the road and coached his ass off. And sometimes it's been the players. Sometimes it's been coaching. But I'm going to take, uh, I'm 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 going to take the Cowboys. I can't believe I'm taking Dak Prescott over Tom Brady. But I'm going to only for the fact that I think the overall team is better in Dallas than they are in Tampa Bay. But uh, but I, I I I that I might be wrong. You also have Michael Parsons out here, Bill. They're talking about the Pro Bowl and all these new things that they do with dodgeball. Uh-huh. Right. And remember, he was in the race last year with Tyree Kill and people made a big deal. I think Tyree Kill was slow off the line, but Parsons won. Mm-hmm. People were tweeting him about it. He said, oh, don't worry. I'll be playing in the Super Bowl. I won't need to go there. Right. 
It's bold. Yeah, usually that's a kiss of death, but I think the the Cowboys get a win and then they bow out, but I think they win this game. I'll take the 12 and 5 record even though it was ugly down the stretch over the 8 and 9 just get in by the skin of your teeth record uh pretty much any day. Um and I think, you know, between Pollard and Zeke Elliott and what they have in CD Lamb and company and and I just I just feel like and Schultz the tight end, I just think that they have a more complete team and for whatever reason it it it's not on McCarthy, it's not on the coaching, it's not on the defense. It has been solely on Dak and his turnovers. And Dak has been just an absolute moron. And he needs if he straightens it out, they'll they'll win the game going away. So I'll take the Cowboys on the road. So All right, coming up in about go ahead. Cowboys win that one. Next round they go to Philly. That yeah, is going to at, be then, uh, then they're done. Quite then the Sunday done. night football NBC yeah. game that they will play up. Have Jason Garrett talk too much, things of that yeah. nature. Then they're done. They'll win one, and then I'll be it. At least they'll get their win, their one postseason win. I kind of want but, the Cowboys. Uh, oh, so you say bring them on is what you're saying. 100%. Bring them on. All right. Okay. I can live with that. Uh, the one game we didn't pick, uh, we didn't talk about the 49ers and the uh, Seahawks, but um, 49ers, nine and a half point favorites at home. Uh, I think the Seahawks uh, don't cover the nine and a half, by the way. I think the 49ers are going to get the win there. And I agree with you on Jacksonville. I'm still skeptical. It's like a coin flip for me for the Giants and the Vikings game. So that one's a that one's a tough one to go. But there you go. That's the picks. So uh, he's got them written down. Ben's got them written down. We'll see how they go coming up this weekend. Coming up here in about uh, less than 15 minutes, we're going to talk with the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle is going to be joining us. Stay tuned for that. we got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up after the this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers' end-of-season exit meetings continue. Aaron Rodgers with two days of conversations scheduled with his coaches, his head coach Matt LaFleur, and the front office. At age 39, the Packers quarterback has earned over $300 million in the NFL over the years, the most in league history. He is set to earn $59.5 million if he comes back later this year. I want to take the emotion out of it and have the conversations and see where the organization's at and see how I feel after some time has passed. Before he decides what to do, once again, he says he needs some time to step away. How long will that take? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hold him hostage. Uh, you know, I understand, uh, you know, we're still in January here. March is for agency, so just need some time to, uh, like I said, get the emotion out of it and then figure out what's best. Former NFL offensive tackle Andrew Whitworth was lucky enough to end his career last year with the Rams when they won the Super Bowl. Whitworth, now with the NFL Network, was on the Rich Eisen Show. What do you think Aaron Rodgers does? Honestly, I'm over it, Rich. I just, you know, I, I just... <laughs> I saw Marcus Spears say this today, and I couldn't agree more. Like, I just don't care. Right? Like, really? Like, just, you know, I love the guy. I think he's, yeah, you know, I have a good time with him off the football field. Yeah. I'm just so done with, like, are you playing or you're not? Are you, you know, just, you know. But he thought he, he... show up and play or don't play. Oh, my gosh. Wait, wait. That's former Ram Andrew Whitworth. In Green Bay, I'm Mike Clemens on The Bill Michael Show. Welcome back. Good to have you. 
Hey, my buddy uh, Dwayne at Dwayne's Cover It All. Uh, first of all, he's excited to get Coach Luke Fickle on the program. Um, so that's first and foremost. Secondly, he uh, reminding you that uh, they are, he is, Wisconsin's best boat cover, upholstery, canvas, whatever it happens to be in the state of Wisconsin, just hands down the best. Go to Dwayne's, D-U-A-N-E-S, Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. And if you've got an awning, I've seen a couple of different businesses that have uh, used him. And if you've got an awning, say, hanging out over the front of your business that you have your name on, it's proudly displayed, but it's all torn up, it's faded, it's nasty, whatever, uh, he can do it. Uh, man, it makes the front of your business look fantastic. Wisconsin's best canvas upholstery and boat cover provider. Follow him on Facebook at Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. That's Dwayne'sCoverItAll.com. Or call him direct if you're a business owner or maybe just a, an office manager and you want to get all the uh, instead of buying all new furniture you get it all reupholstered one piece or two piece or 10 pieces at a time call them 715-870-2119 715-870-2119 ben are y'all geeked because uh, luke fickle's joining us next yeah i'm excited you sound it yeah. <laughs> i've always been told i'm good at expressing my emotions yeah yeah okay you're As very you much say, a, a good poker player no, uh, well, I'm good at hiding my emotions there. I'm just not good at yeah. the game, which okay. sucks. Gotcha. But yeah, speeds gotcha. off to a hot start. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> he goes right to golf. Oh, uh, I forgot that's on the golf channel today, isn't it? Yeah. You? Yeah. Okay. I forgot about that. I forgot that that's there. So. Uh, so Luke Fickle coming up. He's going to join us in just a few minutes. So hang in there. We're going to uh, talk with the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Is this the first time he's done a radio interview? Do you know? No, he did several when he was first hired. When a okay. lot there was just so much going on, right? But I think no, I know that I, I couldn't remember if he did or not. I didn't. didn't yeah, know. he did a few. I know he was on with Jim Rome. Well, I'm talking about in the state. Yeah, I think a couple of stations out Jim of Milwaukee. Jim Rome's past tense. He's 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 old news. Okay, well we we'll, we got the coach, so we'll we'll talk with him coming up. So, so that's going to happen. Um, yeah, I would assume a couple of different stations that probably carry the Badgers. Badgers probably had him on already, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get him on. We'll ask some different things. Uh, this one's from Brewer Mike, who says, uh, "Looking forward to hearing the coach. Can you ask him about all the prospects here in the state?" It seems that we've been losing many, many good players out of Wisconsin. What's he going to do to keep them here? That's one of the. That's actually one of the topics we are going to talk about, is keeping guys in the state of Wisconsin in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, you know, I know he said the three hundred mile radius type of thing, but he's pretty intense and entrenched in the hotbed that is that uh, Northern Kentucky, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, that hotbed. Because there's a lot of good high schools down there. There's Louisville Trinity, which is a big one. Elder, Moeller, Xavier, LaSalle. Uh, Cleveland St. Ignatius is a big one. Indianapolis has a couple of big high school uh, you know, teams that are there. And he's kind of uh, siphoned a lot of that talent in that area. Then you start to look into the Wisconsin area, Minnesota area, Illinois area. There's a lot of those, you know, a lot of that talent that you uh, that you have right here that he could grab onto. So if he's already got that, uh, that, that bed of Midwest, now you start to talk about the upper Midwest, poof, you know, man, oh man, oh man. Bill, That's you a, versus him. We'll see who can name more Cincinnati area high schools. Oh, I'm sure he probably could. I can name a lot of them, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he's got that down, man. 
I don't know. I'll tell you this. I know a lot of the high schools. I don't know a lot of the coaches anymore. So we'll see. See what he has to say. But that's coming up after the top of the hour, so stay tuned for that. Luke Fickle, head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Luke Fickle is going to join us coming up next. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show coming up right after this. The Bill Michael Show podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. Wisconsin Sports Covered. W244DR Fitchburg. WOZN Madison. The Zone.